Good morning and welcome to the Robin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Robin, so get ready to get triggered. Hello and welcome to the Rabin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Rabin, as you might have heard in our intro. And with me today is part of our expert panel, Marshall and Daniel. How are you guys? Good. Doing very, very fantastic. Good. good to hear. So uh, to begin, uh, as per Spirit Live rules and regulations, all opinions expressed on the show are not those of Ryerson or Ryerson faculty and are only those of the individual commentators. Viewer discretion is advised. Uh, now, we've got a special guest with us today in studio uh, in lieu... In lieu in lieu of Adam's absence, it's sad because I actually do speak French, uh, Sarah Wong. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank, uh, thank you for coming. Could you uh, tell us a little about yourself? Um, I'm a third-year student at Ryerson studying journalism. I'm actually only half Korean. Um, my mom was born in Seoul, and my dad was born here, but he's Chinese, so I'm half Korean, half Chinese. Um, I have a younger sister. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's awesome. Uh, well, it's good to have you, and again, thank you for coming. <laughs> so, let's get, uh, I want to say again, uh, hello to our audiences at U of T and York U. Thank you for tuning in as well. Let's start with our recap of the week. First story is that Adam is running for the RSU. Uh, he's on our show, so we just want to give him another shout-out. Um, and we really hope that that uh, he's going to win and, and do... The RSU proud. Um, any thoughts on the RSU election, guys? All of you? Well, you know, it's a pretty interesting time of year for sure. Um, you know, very intense, very fierce competition, and uh, we've got a lot of a lot of drama going on, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting events going on, and uh, it's it's good to see people getting involved. I like to see people because um, you know it's it's almost like. There's there's been apathy about it over the last few years in the time that I've been at Ryerson, and it seems like that apathy is kind of uh, you know going away, which is great to see. I think political apathy is a shame in in all forms, and you know your student government's important. Um, yeah, I'm actually very excited for these uh, RS. Hold up, hello, hello. <laughs> Sorry, that was good. <laughs> no, it was just that like I am. Um for technical communication from there. But I got it all sorted out. I'm actually very excited for this RSU elections just be also just because Adam is running as well. I want to see him be empowered into a better position. Um, and I like seeing all the candidates right here. I think Eve, even though whether you disagree with Unity or Elevate, I think there are a lot of uh, candidates here that are extremely qualified. Um, I think I can see a lot of relation towards actual politics into, Ryers into Ryersonian politics. Um and yeah, I'm just very excited for this uh, results, and I want to see how what the divide is going to be. To be honest, and um, Sarah, right? Yeah. So, how do you feel about the RSU election so far? I think that the Rhinoceros Party actually has more of a platform. I've been seeing yeah. them more and more, like compared to last year. Mm -hmm. um, People are kind of taking them a bit more seriously. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've been a long time joke, and mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, think, uh, I do like it. As far as I know, it did start out genuinely mm -hmm. as a joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but they're actually putting an effort though, yeah. like legitimate effort. I, I feel like it's really good though because you can see how 
they they see Alve and they don't like them, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're what they do, and they realize that unity is not perfect either. Unify, so, uni- unify. sorry, unify. It's um a great way. It's a great alternative for someone who disagrees with how the, both ways of governance. Yeah. Um. So then, are you? You don't necessarily have to explain like if you choose one or the other, but I'm actually not sure. Like I'm I'm still mm-hmm. thinking about. Um, the parties and doing research on right. them. Um, during the debate, though, the Rhinoceros Party did like fire some shots at both parties. Um, <laughs> they called them out for going over budget. Like I think it was like 13k over budget or something. Wow. Like mm-hmm. the year the year before. But the Rhinoceros Party did spend like a considerable amount of their budget on rhinoceros onesies, which is hilarious. But like <laughs> you know, like yeah. are they going to do something mm-hmm. smart with their money if they're elected, or are they just going to spend it on more onesies or something like that? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's. Um that's a very a big concern for people with the rhinoceros party because yeah. like they don't have a platform like as of rec- uh, until of recently so let's let's see like uh, let's see if they can actually do some damage done it'd be great to see them it's, it's one of them to, on the on the executives but it's hard to transfer from being a joke on purpose mm-hmm. to i mean it's not like they were a joke by accident like to be from to go from being a joke on purpose to being taken seriously is obviously a difficult transition and i think it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out very much so. And uh, in regards to the RSU election, if anybody wants to give a shout-out to uh, somebody running, please, by all means, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we've got Adam, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I, full disclosure, I did vote for Adam. Uh, and if you're listening, Adam, uh, you're welcome. And, uh, you Same know, here. Uh, we've got uh, Carolina Sorovich. I think I, I don't, I don't want to butcher her name, but, uh, you know, I've, I've spoken with her, and she's, she's fantastic for VP Equity. Um, and also, uh, you know, Salman is a good friend of mine and, uh, Edmund Sofo, great guys and Tamar and Imbar, if you're in FCAD, uh, would be, uh, great yeah. for your, uh, directors there, great representatives and yeah. And for, uh, FCAD, at least the unified team is all actual RTA people, uh, running. Uh, so, I mean, I personally... My uh, shout-outs to Tamar, because uh, she told me to. Um, <laughs> but uh, I hope she gets elected. You, Sarah? Um, my vote's still open, so I'm open to bribes and all of that. Like, you know. <laughs> okay, we'll Pancakes talk after the show. In, the morning. <laughs> um, in terms of any other shout-outs, I would also like to give some... Well, I personally would like to give to Adam as well, obviously. Um, I'm also going to give some to Sarah Mohammed and Shiroz Sabir. Um, I hope I said uh, Shroz's name correctly. I apologize if I did not, but they're both running for arts directors. They're also part of uh, Marshall's Nice program, although they are running for the LFA team, which I'm not going to discriminate against them and stuff like that. I really do think that if they can use uh, some of the positive things from LFA's platform, um, they can I realistically uh, make some good stuff here for future students. Yeah, Shroz mm-hmm. and Sarah, uh, friends of mine, good people. I, I endorse them as well. And uh, Matthew Mozafari is a... Oh yeah, yeah. If you're if you're if, if you're in the sciences, right? I, mm-hmm. I think he's in all of our yeah. STEM guys. Please vote <laughs> yeah. for Matt Safari. There you go. Uh, so, uh, moving on to our next uh, recap or story, Canada is at the Olympics, um, and we're actually doing pretty well. We got a couple medals. Uh, is anybody watching the Olympics? Uh, yeah, briefly, Somewhat, briefly. Yeah. yeah, just uh, just snowboarding uh, so far. Uh, I haven't really tuned into the other sports. I'm excited. A bit, a bit for of curling, bit of curling. Oh, yeah. I love oh, yeah. curling. I'm excited for skeleton. I'm excited for. What's the one with all the bumps on the hill? Slalom. Uh, slalom. Slalom, yeah, that's it's pretty cool. Just watching their knees go like, mm-hmm. back and forth. And, and somehow not break. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I guess our last story, um, it being Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Thank you. Um, no problem. <laughs> um, so 
in Utah, there was a story that a school forced their students to not say no to being asked to dance at their school Valentine's Ooh, dance wow. because it would hurt people's feelings. So the question comes out, <laughs> it's like, That's it's kind of like, what's Yikes. more important, feelings or consent? <laughs> I, right? think we, I think we all know the answer to that yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, right? That's crazy. I just kind of saw that yesterday. I was like, huh. Um, I, Wait, what, was it a middle school, you said? Yeah, like a huh. middle school, wow. and they were having like a, a dance, and then yeah. a child came home to her mom, and the mom's who, who the one who like told the, the news people the story, or the... Uh, news company the story and basically said that my daughter was told not to say no if somebody asked her to dance which is kind of like uh okay this snowflake I mean, complex is just ridiculous i'm, I'm going to share a story after about like something mm -hmm. similar to this but i want to hear what i think marshall you got something on yeah, the tip of your tongue I, I right mean, one thing i've heard of before is uh schools saying you can't say no if somebody gives you a valentine's mm -hmm. card um, and I, I remember a time when I was in grade one and this girl gave me a Valentine's card and I said no and I threw it out. I, <laughs> I still feel bad about it to this day. Um, and I get that, right? I think, I think school saying you can't say no to somebody giving you a Valentine's card, that's fine. But like, that's insane. You can't say no to dancing. Like, I get that it's middle school and they're not doing like particularly intimate dancing or anything, mm -hmm. hopefully. Leave room for Jesus. Um, exactly. But, Oh man, that's just that's so strange. That's yeah. yeah. It's it's not even about that specifically. It's more about the idea that you can't that you're not going to experience any hardship in life and that you're not going to experience that at any like at a young age. So mm -hmm. what I'm saying is like you won't get that negative feeling of someone saying no to you, right? Yeah. yeah. An example like I can't disclose like 100% like what I do like uh with like some working and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I do work with something where it's like um in like the recreation field where you're working with kids and stuff and uh, it's happened before multiple times where like a child like doesn't want to participate if they get um eliminated in the activity and stuff like that and instead of me giving like being all nice with them no i'm like for, I'm straight up like zero bs and mm -hmm. i'm like okay like whatever their name is like you need to understand sometimes you're going to lose mm -hmm. and sometimes you're going to win okay yep. and not every single time that's going to happen okay it's so important if, exactly yeah. it's character development yeah. for the person mm -hmm. so if a girl if a girl like let's say you're ugly and the girl says no for <laughs> the dance right <laughs> you just gotta accept that be like what's wrong with me like am i actually ugly did i say the wrong thing so tell them am i being ugly? rude to them <laughs> sorry yeah. kid you're out of luck you're just ugly <laughs> you gotta, some you people are pretty and some people but you're not one of them <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I would advocate for more delicate uh, delivery than that, but yeah, yeah. I, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's important for kids to be Hot told take no. is what um, that is. And yeah. I think kids not ever hearing no is a problem, mm -hmm. and I think it leads to or problems going participation trophies. Oh, yeah. Particip mm -hmm. Participation trophies are exactly like when just like that. Like, maybe, I mean, I'm okay with it if you're, like, you know, very, very young, like grade one, grade two, but after that, just like, okay, it's real world time. Yeah. You're a seven-year-old. Let's go. Start paying taxes. <laughs> so... Let's move on to our main story, which is the Korean relations. Uh, with the 23rd Winter Olympics happening this year right now in Pyeongchang, South Korea, inter-Korean relationships are a hot topic. For the first time in Olympic history, from what I read, uh, North and South Korea have entered the Games as a unified state and team. Additionally, North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un's sister actually went to South Korea for the Olympics and to meet with South Korean diplomats, including the president. These are historic moves on both countries, uh, and everyone is wondering if this athletic spirit will translate to political. 
On today's show with special guest Sarah Wong, we talk the current and future state of the Korean relationship. Uh, and remember, to our audience, we are live on Facebook, so you can comment and we'll have your thoughts read live on air. So without further ado, let's get to our first question. Before going into the Olympics, uh, what was the state of North and South Korea's relationship? I know that days before the Olympic ceremony, uh, North Korea did another ballistic missile test. Mm -hmm. So what does mm -hmm. that, that kind of say about their relationship? Sarah, I want to start with you. Yeah, um, I mean, before the Olympics, it was terrible. Um, I know that my mom, who is, who is from Korea, and she's Korean, she used to joke that North Korea declared war on South Korea like every other week. And that was basically the reality, that no one took them seriously when they did declare war. Um, but yeah, it was basically, it was terrible. It wasn't good. Um, but I think that with the Olympics, um, I, I'm glad that, I'm, like, I'm glad that the relationship between the two countries are getting better. Mm -hmm. But I think that we shouldn't forget about the things that North Korea has done. Like the history just, behind it. Yeah, them, just yeah. because the Olympics are, are about, well, because the Olympics are about team spirit and respecting other countries and being patriotic to your own country. Mm -hmm. And I'm good that they're playing nice for this for this sort of event, but I don't think that it changes the reality of things because if you look at it, you know, US and North Korea are still at each other's throats. Right. Um, they're competing, in, like I guess it's sort of like an arms race with North Korea trying to get up there in terms of nuclear power mm -hmm. and US threatening Korea that they'll they'll nuke them basically if they set off anything. So I don't know. It's it's tough to say, but I know that the people in South Korea aren't they aren't too happy. Um, because I don't know if you heard, but North Korea brought like a bunch of cheerleaders, a bunch of yeah. I yeah, saw that they were going into like four hundred plus people. Yeah, North Korea's national sport, which I think is yeah. like speed skating in the smallest circle, I mm -hmm. believe. Mm -hmm. They brought in like eighty, like like something ridiculous number. They filled up yeah. a decent amount of the stadium mm -hmm. with, with their cheerleaders. And um, South Korea is actually paying to house those people, those four hundred plus right. people, which wow. includes like um, handlers, mm -hmm. um, to make sure that their athletes don't run away or defect right. oh, um, okay. they're cheerleaders uh, I guess to show like country spirit mm -hmm. and they're athletes so South Korea is paying for it and I forget how much the total was but it was like in the billions to house them for like foods um, for the housing. whole event yeah like for the whole event they're housing all of the North Koreans. Billion. Damn, yeah. I'm gonna have to wow. do some research after that and see. Like, that's crazy. A billion. Billion wands. I'm. I'm pretty sure. I don't know about dollars. Oh, no wands. okay. Okay, yeah. but like the point being that like it's an exorbitant amount of money just yeah. to feed and house those. All they those are people, staying right? at luxury hotels in yeah. Seoul, and wow. you know, which I guess is to help, like, sort of help along the relationship between North Korea right. and South Korea, but the South Korean people aren't exactly happy about it. But don't it. you think that would also kind of like um, alienate the North Korean? Um, people that are visiting because it would see, it would yeah. show it would show them like this yeah. like, wait why am I in such a nice place like yeah, I'm living sure. in this really nice house and then why would I go back to an oppressive state uh, state mm -hmm. like go back to them and like it, it yeah it would, I would lose my mind yeah. I would so, only, the only thing I could think of would be to defect yeah exactly like, that's that's really how uh, South Korea has been fighting the war for a long time and I mean <clears throat> on on that South Korea and North Korea have technically been at war for 70 years they have signed a, a ceasefire so they're not you know actively in combat or anything but um they they have never signed a peace treaty and so they they never officially ended the korean war and how korea has or south korea rather has been um fighting this war this cold war i guess is by dropping uh usb sticks with uh south korean films western films and music and mm -hmm. and media to show the north korean people that you know 
things are not what uh, the Kims are making it seem, mm -hmm. that uh, things are a lot better basically everywhere outside of North Korea. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that's an interesting point, yeah, that uh, they're going to see how it is and that they're going to lose some of the North Korean um, patriotism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so now that uh, North Korea has arrived, we've discussed the, the housing, we've discussed how they're being treated, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, has this unified Olympic team uh, changed uh, the politics between the two a bit already? Like, has there been an effect already or or not? Um, are you talking about their hockey team or the fact that they, they uh, well, walked the, together? The, the fact that they walked in together, oh, okay. has that changed anything in regards to the politics mm -hmm. uh, between the two? Um, South Korea is, is, I think, more open to delegations. Um, North Korea, I know Kim Jong-un has said that he wants reunification. But really? people are yeah, but people are saying that he that doesn't make sense. Though. He will want it on his own terms, right, yeah. meaning yeah. like he he, will, he wants to take over South Korea, like basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's so the cat. In, in my in my research into this, I discovered that uh, the Kims have been a proponent of reunification for mm -hmm. a long time, mm -hmm. and they're you know they want peace, but what they want is the entire thing to be mm. you North know run, run yeah. by the Kims. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, I mean, obviously, that's not really an equitable solution. Mm -hmm. um, you know, n nobody wants that um, yeah. except for Kim Jong-un. Back to your question, though. Like, it's um, – wait, you're saying, like, them walking together, does it actually enhance, like, and fix the political like, solution or what? Yeah, like, does it does it bring any positive change to it? I don't really think so, because like, if we look back, like, let's think of, like, the Sochi. The fact that the, the nations have allowed their athletes to walk together. I would, relate it, back to, I would relate it back to Sochi and then to – was, was it London 2012, I think? Something like that. Right? Oh, yeah. So it was in Sochi. Like, that didn't, like, de-escalate – because I think around that time was the they whole Crimea together, thing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that didn't de-escalate the situation that was happening. Wait, who, walked, who walked together? Um, North Russia. and South yeah. Korea. So they, it's oh. not the first time they've yeah, walked they together. Oh. So yeah. to, to explain, they've walked together before. They've uh, done the opening ceremony together before. They've never played as a, a team oh, before, okay. except in demonstration sports. Mm -hmm. They've oh. done it. They've never done it before in official Olympic uh, events. Well, that's one thing that's very unique about it. But like, like, what I would say is, like, in the same way, like, in the London Olympics, when... Um, England, Scotland, and like all the other countries that united together as Great Britain, right? It doesn't change the the distaste that Scotland has between mm -hmm. um, like the London like between like, like England, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily change it. I think it's like more just for like for PR. But You're like, saying it's like a show. Like it's a, a show, yeah. Okay. But it's not it's not going to be enough to fix the problems mm -hmm. in the same way. Yeah, it's, so it's not going to be enough to like um, to get get unification yeah. for Korea or something like that, like. There needs to be a lot actual. There needs to be actual diplomatic discussions, mm -hmm. in which possibly like someone like the UN would have to, um, um, what do you call, materialize. They would have to do, yeah. be in charge of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that the walking together, the the unified uh, Olympic thing, does not change anything. It's more just indicative of how things have been. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot more. Well, I mean, I say this in relative terms. There's, there's less hostility than there than there was before. There's yeah. obviously still a lot of hostility, but you know, obviously less than in the '50s, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and because I I do think that the people, and I mean, I I don't know, but I would imagine that the people don't want a war. Nobody wants to be, you know, actively engaged in combat. Um, that's not desirable. And uh, at the same time, nobody wants North Korea to have their way. Um, and so I would say that uh, it shows that there's a desire for 
some sort of peace, but at the same time, it's not uh, a desire for friendliness with North Korea per se. It's a, a desire for North Korea to kind of bend to their will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not even bend to their will, but kind of just stop being aggressive. I think that the fact that they are talking more does help a little um, because South Korea, I think since February 2016 or somewhere around that time, South Korea does call North Korea twice a day, once at nine and once at four. Mm-hmm. And North Korea has never picked up until until recently right. because of the Olympics, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So at least they've opened like that line of communication, whereas they didn't have it before. Is that like the phone that they're when they're referring that is like? Um, in the DMZ zone, in the yeah, demilitarized yeah. zone, yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh, okay. they call each other, mm-hmm. um, and that's the way they communicate. But North Korea has never called back until now. Wow, huh? And just for our viewers, uh, Sarah, do you want to tell people what the demil- demilitarized zone is? Yeah, basically, it's a zone where um, neither, I guess, neither North Koreans or South Koreans. It's like an empty zone. Mm-hmm. Um, no one exactly owns it, and um, no one can, I guess, cross it because it's it's sort of like a border of some sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the guard, North Korean guard along the border is very heavy to stop people from delegating. I think like a couple months ago or something, there was someone who ran across the border. Yeah, Um, he got shot at. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I don't know if you saw the video. I did see the video. Yeah, Yeah, it was was pretty brutal. And like tons of men were chasing after him, trying to stop him. Yeah, he got shot at least a couple of times. Yeah, he had to go through like um, a small, small incision. (laughs) He was like crawling. Yeah, yeah, it was very, it was really brutal until I think I think he made it to the other side though, right? He did. Yeah, Yeah, he did. Yeah, he he did. did, And uh, South Korean, the South Koreans found him. And I think, I, I'm not sure where he is now, but I hope he's being treated and yeah. he's well. They took him in, put him in a hospital, yeah. and are helping him out. And mm-hmm. I, I believe they're taking him in permanently. That's good. Um, That's really and good. we've got uh, so it's a question. it's kind of like no man's land. Exactly. Like in World yeah. War II. Basically, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a, a more organized version of No Man's Land, essentially. <laughs> so we've got Sherwin asking, would South Korea get in trouble if there are North Korean defectors? Um, and what I would say to that is, I mean, mm. like, I... I don't, I don't know, because I would imagine that Kim Jong-un would be displeased, mm-hmm. and he would probably say, those damn fake Koreans. Oh, but, yeah. um, I, he would I, take it on the family, I think. Yeah. The family of the North Koreans, you know, the like the three-generation yes. punishment? Yes, yeah. Is that exactly. what you're talking about? Yeah. That's how it works. And yeah, wow. so there's, would South Korea get in trouble? I mean, I would imagine that Kim Jong-un would be unhappy with them, but there's not much he can do. And so... I'm guessing that his family would, or their family, whoever it was, would end up in a labor camp or something similar. Um, it's pretty scary, though. Like yeah, if, I mean, if they, someone's send people, an athlete, they send people to labor camps for, for all number of things, just for, um, you know... Just like, even, like, disagreeing with the government or something like that? Like, pretty it could much be yeah. anything, And really. even, even totally arbitrary things, like, even if there's no way to prove that you disagree with the government, even if they just think you disagree, like, mm-hmm. with... Uh, uh, Kim Jong Un uh, sending his his was it his brother in law or his cousin or something? Oh yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, his, he killed his brother yeah. or he like, proposed supposedly like mm-hmm. he killed his brother wow. um, because he wasn't in favor with the government. I think. And it something wasn't that like he that. wanted to take it down; it was that he like disagreed with something. Mm-hmm. It was like he, he had a little disagreement with yeah, uh, what the government was doing. And Robert says, uh, "I'm watching on mute, so I don't know what's going on." Um, but he just wanted to pop in to say that he calls for a China Korea embargo and. I know he's on mute, and so I can't ask him to clarify. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if he means China. Um, trade embargo? Or? Yeah, trade embargo. Yeah. I'm not sure I if he means... I think that would uh, be, yeah. yeah. I think that's what he would yeah. mean. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that China's, uh, from what we've seen over the summer, uh, getting a little tired of North Korea. Uh, and I think the really only... Sp- I, I, their allyship has really deteriorated, on, and understandably, how, mm-hmm. how much of an ally are they, really? And... 
And in regards, they're more of a burden to mm-hmm. exactly. China. That's they're exactly what they are mm-hmm. to China. And in regards to other allies, um, America, well, the U.S. actually rejected um, meeting North Korea, and it also didn't stand for their national anthem. Does oh. does America's? Um, um, yeah, where was that? Like, uh, it, it was, was that at, recently? Yeah, Olympics like in the Olympics. Oh, okay. oh. So I'm just thinking. I'm just. I just want to know: Will this kind of rejection and kind of way the Americans are treating North Korea affect the North and South uh, South's relationship? Like, will North kind of be... Yeah, I feel will, like the North... The will North will they be pissed at South Korea for, for being allies with uh, with the U.S.? Is that something that would affect the relationship? Well, I, I think yeah. they always have. Uh, I think that was always a big issue, is that, you know, they, they call the U.S. like a big imperialist machine that just wants to destroy the livelihood of the North Korean citizens. And I, I don't think that there's any getting angrier. I think that the relations are basically as low as they're ever going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think Kim Jong-un might uh, say, you know, wow, not cool guys, but uh, I don't know if, if it's going to have a serious effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say, um, especially because I I don't think North Korea has been pleased with either South Korea or the U.S. for a while. I don't know if North Korea will see both of them as enemies now rather than, like, potential allies with South Korea. Um, It's hard to say. Yeah, I feel like that would be, like, really... It would be problematic because I feel like the North the North, North Korea's government would... Um, try to react with, by do using try to be experimenting with more of their military oh, yeah. with their ICBMs and stuff like that just to prove a point. Just be like, hey, if you guys are gonna ally- if you guys are gonna be allies together, there's gonna be serious repercussions. But mm-hmm. like, it, it's it's a losing battle for them when they're gonna do something like that because you're gonna be go- you're going against the biggest country in the world and your allies, which is South Korea. Mm-hmm. Like, but they have the support of them. So like, mm-hmm. if you. It, you're in a sinking ship, so like China's already like lost like yeah. Everything. North, North Korea is really backed into a corner here. Yeah, they, exactly. they don't have any leverage in any way. Trump really. already tried issuing a trade embargo with China and Russia, I believe, together, mm-hmm. all joined to stop like North Koreans from getting any particular type of trade. I think it's a shame because it'll sincerely damage the livelihood of North Koreans, like the citizens. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it won't actually make a difference to like the elites of the of that country and stuff like that. So the the uns like and um. Anyone who's like high up in military, like with the Eel family. Yeah, and Sherwin followed up with, uh, would that not escalate into a cross-national dispute if it includes the athletes plus the families of the athletes? And uh, what I would say to that is that, you know, you've got South Koreans uh, going missing, uh, ostensibly due to North Korea fairly often. And, uh, not fairly often necessarily, but it happens. And... You know, North Korea continues to deny it. They'll say, oh, they went on vacation here and they, they drowned while they were swimming. And, um, <laughs> you, you know, when they deny it like that and uh, South Korea obviously knows they're lying, but they keep denying it. They won't fess up about it. It's, uh, it's not anything out of, the, out of the ordinary. And it's, it's a shame. It's really sad. But it just shows that we've got to do something against North Korea. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd advocate for intervention, but I, I think that... Um, some diplomacy is certainly in order, but of course, not giving them their way because giving them their way is yeah, not acceptable. That's why I hold. That's why like, back to what um, who was it? Sherwin. Said, Sherwin said the trade embargo thing. Oh no, Robert. Robert said that. Yeah, that's why I agree with Robert's like, idea. Like behind that, it's a diplomatic way to resolve these issues. Mm-hmm. And if we're able to cripple their resources to the point where they can't even sustain themselves and they don't even have the, the capability of being able to fire any of those mm-hmm. military um, um, equipment. 
um, then that's the perfect time for South Korea to swoop in and to establish a complete mm -hmm. control over Korea, which which would be the I think that's probably the best amicable solution yeah. for everyone's ideas would be like for South Korea to take co take over everything because there's no way in hell we're gonna let that happen to North and Korea. And that's through international intervention. Um, it would be international like yeah intervention like. But it wouldn't be going into the country in a war and stuff like that. Because we've already seen the history with that, like, like thousands of people dying in, in the, the Korean East, War and stuff like yeah. that. And in the Middle East. Anywhere where U.S. intervention has come, the loss of life is automatically going to come bear with that. Mm -hmm. And not just from the military aspect, but from the citizens specifically. Because mm -hmm. if you go into and go inside North Korea, you're going to have all these people that are going to fight for their country. Yeah. Um, instead of choosing um, the U.S. and South Korea. And it's just it's just not going to end well, to be honest. Yeah. But but is know. international intervention really going to be beneficial? It's, like even by the UN, for example. It's literally even the if only. There's mediation. For, for me, I think it's the, like I don't see any other way to do it. The problem is what to do with all of the people in North Korea yeah. if if their if the regime is like disputed. Right. Then I don't know what to do with all the people because I know people in South Korea are. Um, I I don't think they're too keen on taking in a lot of North Koreans. Mm -hmm. There, I've read some stories of people who defected, um, and they they face like I guess some racism because the the dialect is a little different, and mm -hmm. you can sort of tell that. Well, they have their own basically yeah, they have their own culture, their own language and their own culture, yeah. and um, you can sort of tell that they're not from uh, South right. Korea. Right. So they have trouble finding jobs, like finding housing, like things face, like that. Face discrimination. Basically, yeah. Thing. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I haven't even thought of that. It would be like, a massive refugee crisis. Uh, really, it'd mm -hmm. be like. Uh, similar to maybe what we saw when uh, Japan um, was in control of Korea, of the entire peninsula. Mm -hmm. And Japan did not, you know, the Japanese people did not like the, the Koreans being there because obviously there was a lot of military action on Japan's part in uh, Korea, which caused a lot of Koreans to flee to Japan, who they were now citizens of because Japan took Included over Korea, them, made right? a part of Japan. And, uh, you know, when uh, Korea was liberated from Japan, they all, you know, wanted to go back right away because they, they gave them the option for repatriation and they, they wanted to leave because they didn't like how it was in Japan. They didn't mm -hmm. like to be mm -hmm. the demonstrations. There's anti-Korean demonstrations, protests. and Well, you, yeah, like, you won't necessarily see it because, like, unfortunately, there's a lot of stereotypes between, like, South Asian communities, mm -hmm. how they look, like, how they look very similar, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, people who are living in those countries, you can obviously understand the discrimination, and you can see the differences between yeah. certain people, an example like that. Like, I've seen also, like, a bunch of um, acts of, not acts of, like, um, lots of, like, race relations being um, presented specifically in Hong Kong, like because like the difference between um, the Hong Kong people from Hong mm, Kong yeah, and people sure. from mainland China, mm -hmm. they're their own different people. Mm -hmm. They have their own thing going on and stuff like that. So when you mess with their own with what their identity is and their culture and stuff like that, obviously it's going to cause a lot of problems. For so sure, they need to be aware of that in the future if they're going to reunify. Korea. There's a lot. A lot of and, Westerners and, would just look at them all as Asians. Right? Exactly. It's, exactly. It's important to realize it's completely inaccurate yeah, to do that. It's important to realize that's not how they see it. That's not how it is. Yeah, um, exactly. And that there's different cultures and, and disputes, different and, language, and abilities. It's just a different way of life. Like. Mm -hmm. I think even now there's protests. Um, they have a joint hockey team, North Korea and South Korea, mm -hmm. and a mm -hmm. lot of South Koreans aren't happy with it. There's been like protests, and I think there was a petition with thousands of signatures trying to get the prime minister to to split up the hockey teams mm -hmm. because they thought that um, the North Koreans would hurt their chances of getting a medal, and that the South Koreans wouldn't yeah. have enough um, ice time or like time to play right. for themselves the hockey the right, sport. Right. Um, so even now we're seeing like protests, um, even though they're just they're just athletes. It's not like they're like Kim Jong Un himself or like mm -hmm. his family. They're just athletes, which are like 
I guess, regular people who were just born into North Korea. Um, and I don't know, we're already seeing sort of discrimination. So I think that complete reunification would be very messy. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, in terms of reunification, many are saying that uh, the UN's or UN's sister visiting is just simply propaganda and mm -hmm. they're trying to, you know, create a story where there isn't. Is this, do you believe in this? Is it false? Do you think that uh, Kim Jong-un might be, you know, into potentially negotiating or is his sister just there out of kind of sheer? Mm, hard to say. I think he's open to negotiating with South Korea, but on his own terms, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. he, he won't want to... He won't want to give up North Korea to South Korea. It will be the other way around in his yeah. head. Um, and him sending his sister, I think that is a step in terms of, like, more political openness and more talks. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how far they'll get. And especially because we don't know anything about the sister. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know her name. Um, but... What's what's her stance on this? Is she ultra loyal to uh, North Korea? Yeah. I mean, I would imagine so, but mm -hmm. we, we can't say for sure. Um, and is she there because she wants to be an ambassador for yeah. peace? Is she there because she wants to um, try and, I don't know, proselytize about how great North Korea is? Um, we don't know. But what we have seen a lot is a lot of uh, romanticization of the, of the sister because uh, I guess um, she seems very friendly and she's she's attractive and the Western media has been really, oh my God, uh, Kim Jong-un's sister is the star of the show. She's uh, such a, a darling and it's, it's you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of seeing all that from the media because I'm sure, you know, maybe she's a fine person, I don't know, but it's really kind of ignoring the travesties that go on in North Korea and it's really kind of like mm -hmm. making a media star out of uh, somebody who is at least to some degree complicit in this awful regime mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that's an issue with uh, I guess uh, the I don't know I, I don't know where that would come from but I I do know I don't like it um, it's it's such a t it's such like a tough topic to even talk about just because like it's it's almost almost as if like we're like we're kind of like allowing this stuff to happen, like mm -hmm. we're like we're 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 complicit. Not that we're okay with it, but we're complicit with um, knowing what happens in North Korea, knowing that so many people get hurt, knowing that these people are literally being oppressed mm -hmm. in the in the in their in their neighboring country in a neighboring country. Mm -hmm. Like, but when do we say that okay we have to intervene? Because again, we've seen so many times intervention has just caused mm -hmm. more problems. So it really becomes yeah. It's, it, it, it's a very, it's a moral and ethical I'm issue. I'm just thinking about how like, like you gave the you gave the best words here. It was like messy, like how it was. Because I'm already thinking like, okay, let's say if like, like if there is some sort of intervention, regardless if it's just strictly diplomatic or in a military standpoint. Like on top of that, like we're gonna have to put in some sort of like human rights tribunal to like try like all of the North Korean mm -hmm. government for for human rights yeah. crimes and war crimes and stuff like that, like for human rights violations and war crimes. Sorry, and it's like this pro this this problem not isn't probably gonna be even be solved like near the end of our t like, mm -hmm. like what when we're older and stuff like that. It's gonna take years to solve this problem. Um, I think they should use the Olympics as a way to help um, get the pro the steps for reunification, but. 
you're talking to the wrong guy and try to find a, yeah. so, like a solution for it. On an intervention, I mean, I'm I'm a big non-interventionist, so I would say when do we, Canada, when do we intervene? Never. Uh, if there was a direct threat presented to Canada, an existential threat, uh, an existential threat presented to Canada. Yeah, I, I would say at that point, then it's time to do something militarily. I also think that our military has its its problems, um, and I'm, I'd, I'd prefer to focus on working that out before we get into any kind of military adventurism. And, I mean, preferably never get into any kind of military adventurism, <laughs> but if, uh, if we're going to at least take care of the problems with our military, at least not be buying used fighter jets from Australia, um, that oh, you're saying so using our money appropriately? And yeah, stuff like it's that. not being yeah. used appropriately. Our Navy is just uh, criminally underfunded, and it's it's terrible to see. Mm -hmm. The U.S. Uh, also, like in terms of defending the Arctic Circle, like it's actually the U.S. who does a decent amount of that. Yeah, yeah, defense, for sure. And, and which which it should be us, though, right? I agree. I it's it's a shame, and I, I don't like to be relying on the U.S. I, I don't mm -hmm. think that's a a good deal. Now, the U.S. intervening if. If North Korea were to attack Guam, as has come up before, yeah, I, I would say I would support the U.S. just wiping North Korea out. Well, no, not, not, not in such harsh terms, but doing something, stepping up. and Some sort of intervention. Obviously, Guam is part of the U.S. It's, uh, it's a territory, and at that point, it's like you're, you're, you're not only being threatened, but you're actually being attacked. Your citizens are dying. Mm -hmm. And at that point, then, yes, I would say to do something. But until then... Um, and even if they attack Guam and nothing happens, I mean, I know that they don't have the best military technology, despite having the biggest military in the world. Um, you know, I that would be ideal uh, if they were to attack that, you know, the bomb was a dud or it landed in the ocean or something. Mm -hmm. But still, at that point, I would I would uh, advocate for the U.S. to do something. Um, and, you know, you've got a delicate situation with Japan which, of course, doesn't have a military under its constitution. Mm -hmm. uh, that was part of the negotiations of World War II. And although they have soldiers, um, it's... Yeah, I, I mean... Wait, they don't have a completely organized they, military? Well, they are not allowed to have a standing military. Oh, wow. So I don't... Like, was that have, for... Like, was that, like, a time frame they got to have it, or, like... After World War II, they were told like to forever. dismantle their military forever. Wow. Um, mm. And so it's in their constitution. They have defense systems and soldiers trained in case, you know, something happens. Right. But, you know, I, I don't want to see anything happen to Japan, but I also don't necessarily want to see the U.S. and especially not Canada, not that it would happen, um, just fighting a proxy war for Japan. Mm -hmm. Having to, to defend them, yeah. Uh, I think Australia has that covered. Uh, Australia and Japan are kind of in their militaries, are, or Australia's military is, is there to protect Japan. But, um, yeah, it's. I, I don't really want to see adventurism or intervention unless it's absolutely necessary. I think one major concern that a lot of, uh, I guess, countries or people have is that if, even if you kill off uh, Kim Jong-un, for example, mm -hmm. someone else will just step up to yeah. take his mm -hmm. place. Like, it doesn't even have to be immediate family or just someone who's close to him, one someone of his generals. Someone who's like, in charge of the military. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Someone it, will just step up. So how, like, how far do you go, like, how many, I don't know, how many people do you have to wipe out, I guess, yeah. to, to stop, you know, this tyranny that's happening? Yeah. It's like it's like you got to go through like almost like how like how many people do you have to mm -hmm. go and, through? And I guess so many people there are like, brainwashed in a sense, yeah, because um, they don't they're not exposed to any other media. They don't know any better. Mm -hmm. um, They've been fed a lie. Yeah, so they're completely loyal to North Korea and its government. So I don't know how I've, far you need to go. And it's sad because they're not at fault. They're not people who chose to defend this regime. They're people who are you know told from birth this regime 
or this government, this democratic government, <laughs> is the best thing in the world. We need to defend it, or else our our live uh, our livelihood, our lifestyle, our way of life will be destroyed by the imperialist pigs in the U.S. And um, that is tough because when Kim Jong Un is gone, somebody else will step in. It's like mm-hmm. a Hydra, like that. Uh, oh, that, the the movie. Uh, or what's it called? I'm not sure, but it's it's the an old, Captain like, America thing, right? No, 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 no. It's an old, it's an old like Greek myth mm-hmm. of the Hydra, which is a seven-headed dragon. Yeah, mm-hmm. that when you cut off one head, it spawns like, three, three more, oh, three two, more grow, or two more. Mm-hmm. And um, what Hercules had to do with his uh, with his lover Iago is they had to burn the heads and and the stumps uh, after the heads were cut off. And I don't know if that metaphor is um, if it's uh, it works, applicable, it works. but you know, I, I think that if something were to be done, you do have to burn the stump of the Hydra's uh, decapitated head there, and um, it has to be comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a I'm a very anti-war guy, and I, I don't want to see war happening. But I think when war does happen, it, it needs to be thorough, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what would need to be done. Mm-hmm. So, lastly, um, just to wrap up the show. Will there be, uh, I guess we've kind of touched on this, but will there be some sort of actual negotiation that will take place between the two states after the games? Uh, and if not, what will happen? Are Wait, we sorry, s- what after the games? Will there be some sort of uh, negotiation that happens between the two states after the games? Even just one one meeting uh, mm-hmm. of some sort? Uh, or will things stay the same? Like, what's what's going to happen after the games? I expect some communication to happen just because it it has to happen now that the communication line is open. They're talking to each other and um, Kim Jong-un's sister is in South Korea. Mm -hmm. I would be really surprised to if nothing did happen because why else would she be there Mm -hmm. Uh, besides like a show of, I guess, trust or or, like a relationship between the two states. So I, I do think that something will happen. I don't know how much will happen um, because as far as I can see, they're at like a, a catch-22, I guess. Kim Jong-un wants reunification, but he wants it on his own terms, presumably. Mm-hmm. And obviously, South Korea won't let that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where do you go from there? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we'll have to see how the rest of the Olympics plays out. Mm-hmm. I think we'll have to see how the people of mm-hmm. South Korea respond. I don't think we will see how the people of North Korea respond, as um, we don't really know how they respond to anything um, because they're very kept hidden. Right. Um, I mean, what we do see is people running across the border and taking bullets to escape. Um, They're running for their lives. And, uh, you know, I think that afterwards things may stay the same if there's resistance to negotiations um, from the people and from the the governments. But if the Olympics play it well, and especially, I think, if – Korea uh, does well in the Olympics, yeah, medals Korea, wise. Like I think that could be a huge morale boost that, yeah. to mm-hmm. the to the country. Yeah, stole my wine. Um, <laughs> and at the end of the day, Olympic medals are not particularly consequential, but I, they do really inspire national pride. Exactly. And I, I don't see uh, Kim stepping down or anything. I would love that. That would be super ideal. But I don't see it happening. Um, though, if you know, negotiations continue, and maybe they secede some uh, or concede some some deals to South Korea. They say, okay, you know what, we'll stop doing this. And there's one area; it's uh, a mountainous area or a, an archipelago or something. Maybe you know, Sarah. That's very 
Um, it's a really hot area in uh, the peninsula right now. They're mm-hmm. really fighting over it. And maybe we'll see something happen with that. I think that's the most we can expect for now yeah. in, the, in the current time. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to see that. Ideally, I'd like to see some sort of uh, open line of communication between specifically the head of state of South Korea and with the sister. Uh, with Kim Yo Jun, King Jo Yoon, Jing, Kim, sorry, Kim Yo Jun, I believe Jung, sorry, I'm trying. <laughs> um, and as a, on a hot take note, that I'm just gonna say, like South Korea, if they were really, if they were like trying to be like edgy, they kidnap the sister. And, like, edgy. Yeah, and, like, I was gonna hold say. Her for ransom. I was literally gonna say. She's what, already what, there. What like, happens if uh, South Korea just decides like she's here? Might as well. North Korea's ballistic missiles, I'm guessing. Mm. Yeah, right? Exactly. That's, that, but that, then he'd kill his own sister. Yeah. I, I you think, I he, think he killed his own she's brother. Expendable. She's yeah, expendable. Yeah, he killed his own brother, him. his uncle, I think. I don't know. Um, she seems like a nice lady. But why, if, why kill her? if there actually would be meaningful conversation between the two, then in the future, I, would, I could see if she's not crazy, um, she would be able to be in control Again, of North Korea. If she was able to actually be in control of North Korea and actually to have... Um, maybe possible trade, maybe mm-hmm. possible um, representation of both parties, of both of people like in parliament and stuff like that, and being able to actually like um, be allies with that, that would be crazy. And keep in mind, I just thought of this, North Korea has the biggest military in the world. What we just saw in Zimbabwe is the military decided they had enough of, uh, what's his name, it's, it's evading me right now, of the president of Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think that might be the ideal situation. They have a... To, for them the to internally like overthrow, overthrow their government? Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I'd imagine the person who came in next probably wouldn't be the greatest, but probably if it were not a Kim, um, mm-hmm. if it were somebody who obviously didn't like the Kims. Maybe like an overthrowing of the government and, and establishing some sort of... Uh, yeah, they've, they've got what's called a mortocracy and... Um, in North Korea, where Kim Il-sung, even though he's long dead, is still technically the leader of the country. Mm-hmm. He's the leader for eternity. Um, get get rid of that mortocracy, and I mm-hmm. think we could see some some things change. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I mean, we still got about five minutes oh, left. I thought, oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. So, I thought you were telling me to hurry up. I, 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 <laughs> no, no. Um, if, you, if you have anything else to say, Sarah, if you have anything else to add... Uh, specifically, have you so have you been to South Korea? I, I've been to South Korea. Yeah, it's a it's a really beautiful place. Haven't been to North Korea. Don't think I can ever go. <laughs> I mean, I've heard people going for or Expense, getting if, yeah, expensive like flights, documentaries, right? like, um, special permission to mm. have. Do- I think didn't uh, Donald Trump ban all trips to North Korea? I think I'm pretty sure. Something I, I haven't something heard that, like but that because people used to take I guess like um, tourist trips, trips yeah. and, and and just out of curiosity to see how the North Korean government works and is like mm-hmm. um but obviously if you step out of line you're you're, mm-hmm. you're done for yeah. you're, you're only, stuck there like with auto warm beer i mean uh north korea did open its tourism department a couple of years ago and so that's a fairly new in, thing he's been in prison for a while well he's dead now unfortunately oh, but he, he was uh, in, yeah oh. so he was a student from the u.s yeah who he went died recently trip. yeah and, oh, but uh, did he come back? Was he able to come back? They sent alive? him back, and he was. Uh, but he was messed up. He died like, here, though. Yeah, he was uh, unresponsive mm-hmm. and didn't know his own name. People were guessing torture, but you know, with North Korea, no- nothing is it's ever not like confirmed. They would disclose that, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. I would love to go to North Korea. I never will. <laughs> never in my life. You couldn't pay me. Um, though I, I think it would be really interesting to see if I could, like, you know, fly a drone around it and mm-hmm. just like how it looked. But Otto Warmbier goes and allegedly steals a poster yeah we don't know if he did i i I would be willing to bet he didn't and uh was in prison for how many years like was it like a i forget it might have just been one year it was a good it was a good time though long time not a good time they send him back (laughs) and he's uh 
he's unresponsive, doesn't know his own name, can't speak, mm -hmm. and uh, dies. And the response from North Korea was, oh, he got botulism. Yeah. And then we gave him a tranquilizer, and he was allergic to the tranquilizer, and so that's what happened. There's no evidence of botulism, which is something that shows up in, it's a, it's a, a bacteria or something. That sh right. It shows up in your body. And then there's also no evidence of, of physical trauma either, which is yeah. what's really interesting. So there's, they, his death no is No one knows really what happened to him, basically. Yeah. Because you'd think that if they beat him enough for that to happen, there'd be some sort of fracturing mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. but... There was nothing. I think people were guessing some sort of like suffocation technique um, yeah. where he, he wasn't able to breathe. But I don't know what North Korea... Maybe they waterboarded him or yeah, something. Yeah, and they could have, yeah. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, that, that can certainly kill you. Um, and, uh, you know, it's... I'm kind of getting the chills talking about this. I know, eh? Right? So it's, <laughs> it's, kind of it's really scary yeah. to think about. Just like imagining being in Warmbier's position, just, you know, I think going to North Korea is a, is a mistake for anybody. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's a, it's a wise decision ever. Um, I know that ba Dennis Rodman loves to go and Yeah, I was going to say, he's the only, uh, I guess, yeah. American mm. that Kim Jong-un likes. Yeah. I have no clue why. Do you know? No idea. Oh, it's because, um, what's his name? Who was the leader before him? Uh, Kim, Kim uh, Jong-il. Kim Jong-il, he was a massive Chicago Bulls oh, fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh. that's why he was so able is, to get so Dennis Rodman. I actually didn't know Dennis that. Rodman was, like, the that's third best so player weird. on the team. One thing yeah. uh, that just came out fairly recently about Kim Jong-un, because he was educated in Europe. Mm -hmm. He went to school in Europe is that all his professors said he was never in class. He just played basketball all day. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, really loves Dennis Rodman. That's basketball. why he's able to get there three times. So we do have to wrap up, uh, but I just want to say uh, that was our show for this week. Thank you to everyone that tuned in and that messaged us live. Very special thank you to you, Sarah, uh, for being on the show today. Yeah, no we problem. really appreciate it, especially very last minute. Yeah, it was my pleasure. <laughs> Uh, and so a brand new episode of The Rabbit Report will be coming to you next week. It is reading week, so hopefully uh, everybody will be home relaxing and tuning reading. in. Um, <laughs> reading, yes. Um, <laughs> but we'll be coming to you next week, same day, same time, same people. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you.